Welcome or welcome back to Go Produce My Crew. My name is Big Lou, and this is the podcast and YouTube channel that explores how music industry professionals turn their passions into profit. We are on a massive mission to bring clarity to the music industry, and our goal is to help 1 million music industry professionals live off of their passion. I'm laying down the foundation that I need in order to thrive in the music industry, and I want to help you do the same. This episode is brought to you by thecharts.com. If you're a producer or beat maker looking to build your beat commerce business in less time, thecharts.com can help. With an easy-to-use, mobile-friendly interface and built-in marketing tools, thecharts.com will help you grow your brand, build your fan base, and scale your income. Sign up for free and start selling your beats and instrumentals today on thecharts.com. Today's theme is what steps should you take to market your music so that your mom isn't your only fan? Let's go. American music producer, brand strategist, professional YouTuber, award-winning creative marketing specialist, and founder of the Cell Music Academy, Adam Ivey has established himself as an authority in the online business world. He has been featured on CNBC, G4 TV, MTV, and E! Network. He has worked with over 2,400 independent recording artists in 23 countries with companies such as Burger King, Dell, Taco Bell, and Behringer and with also major recording artists known as g Eazy, Mod Sun, and Kevin Gates. His story is a result of him merging his passion for music production and his experience of the executive level corporate marketing. Go produce. This is Adam Ivey. Oh, yes, yes. So nonchalant. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you so much for being here. I want you to know we do appreciate your time. So let's make the most of this. No, produce, hey? I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity. It's always good uh, getting together with some good people. And uh, that's what we're doing today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's jump right into it then with the first segment. The first segment is called The Basics. Yeah, we got someone swaying back and forth. That's right. One of our last guests, he, uh, he wasn't too into the desk. <laughs> I love the energy. All right. Never, uh, never bring them back on the show. <laughs> we'll leave them undisclosed for now. <laughs> the first question I've got for you after you take that sip of water is, what is your first musical memory? Um, that's a damn good question, man. Uh, first musical memory, uh, probably my grandmother playing piano in her house. Uh, she was a pianist for multiple different um, churches in our area. Uh, an organist as well. It's funny because um, I was probably in in the middle of elementary school or middle school before I realized that a lot of my classmates knew my grandmother because she did private lessons. Um, and so there would be times I practically lived over there. I, I adored their house, and so I was over there all the time. Uh, and it was funny once in a while the door somebody would knock on the door after school, and I'd be like, "Hey, I know you." They're like, uh, "Is your grandma here?" I'm like. Yeah. And so, um, you know, my dad also was a DJ for a long time for like weddings and events and stuff. My parents owned a, um, like a tavern, like a bar for a very short period of time when I was about four years old, um, where they played a lot of music. So, I mean, I grew up with classic rock and polka and old school country. Uh, but I think the first memory would definitely be my grandma playing piano and it resonating all through her house. That's super awesome. Did so she was clearly a teacher. Did she ever teach you, or did your dad ever teach you DJing skills? Did any of that knowledge transfer to you, or is it born separately? 
I think I was, I think that music runs through my veins because of them. Um, my grand or my, my mother actually, um, was, she got a scholarship for college for playing violin. Um, so she was very musically inclined as well. Um, but my grandma taught me for about two years and out of those two years, which is approximately 700 something days, I, I probably paid attention about two of those days. Um, so, I mean, they bought me a keyboard when I was a kid and, and I just, I would just press the demo mode and then pretend like I was playing. I was like, this is, this is That's all you have to do is just, you press the demo, it plays and you can just pretend. Um, and then my dad, he wasn't like scratching on the tech 12s or anything. Uh, never really taught. And in fact, he wanted me to stay away from his turntables because I would always like drag the needle across and, you know, I was, I was a kid, but, um, no, I picked up music late. I mean, I, I didn't start making music or producing until I was about 21 years old, 20, 21 years old. So I was kind of a late bloomer, though I did. I'm very proud of this. I played coronet in eighth and ninth grade, which is like a mini trumpet. It's a mini trumpet. It's like, if this is a trumpet, this is a coronet. Only because when my mom went to the music store to rent a trumpet or buy a trumpet, they didn't have any. So I got the second best uh, option they had that day. Hey, you got to make do with what you have. I love it. I love it. I'm telling you. <laughs> Okay, cool. So I see that your transition into music wasn't like gradual from youth. You you were influenced by it somewhat, but professionally, not so much so. It was around 21, 22 that you started. Since then, you've obviously learned lots of lessons in the industry itself. But I'm curious, what was one of the first lessons that you've learned? Um, first lesson that I learned, I think, in the in the industry as a producer is no matter how good you think you are, you just have to keep it to yourself till a certain point in your career, but, uh, way too early on, I think I was a little bit too, too confident and cocky. Um, and I screwed myself out of a lot of opportunities by kind of, um, not, not staying in my lane. Right. I thought that I was amazing when in reality I was pretty trash. Um, and you know, you kind of, you talk a big game when you're around a bunch of people and then later on you find out, Oh, that person was Grammy nominated and you made yourself look like an ass. Um, and it just, you gotta be humble in this, in this industry and you kind of just gotta earn your stripes and, and work your way up and be very appreciative of all the knowledge that you could surround yourself with, whether it be a face to face, whether it be digital, um, and just, just understand that no matter how good the music is that you're making right now, you're venturing to make better music and getting, getting more, uh, you know, refined with your skill sets over the years. That is obviously the goal. You, you want to continue improving. I'm curious to know, was there a specific point in time where you realized where, okay, now I actually have the knowledge. Now I can share my opinion freely and not have like people be like, shut up. Um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, even to this day, it's like, I'm, I'm very, I'm very cognizant of trying to be a good listener. Uh, my mother instilled the power of interrupt in me. So every time I'm having a conversation with somebody, I'm, I'm like really into it. I'm vested into that conversation and I'll jump in a little bit too much sometimes. So I've been really practicing in my thirties now to, to just kind of take a step back, calm down, take a deep breath and listen because you, le you learn a lot when you listen, when you talk and talk and talk, you could actually talk yourself out of learning something in that moment. So I think that sometimes you, you let the other people speak for you when they're like, man, that drum sequence is amazing. Or oh my God, that melody is sick or the way that everything comes together in the sonic space is beautiful. How'd you do that? That's when you can kind of open your mouth. But, um, I think that 
it's a balance of of being like a like a Kenny G who's kind of obscure, but Kenny G, you know, uh, one of the the greatest saxophone players of our eras as far as like commercial success. Uh, and then you got like a Kanye West who he'll tell you how good he is, especially, uh, you know, before, before, uh, you know, social media and Kim Kardashian kind of, uh, yeah, took away some of the, took away some of the confidence. I'm, that was a little bit harsh guys. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> it was directed to Kanye, not to you. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, we don't like Kanye. Okay, well, I mean, uh, with that confidence and that outgoing, um, boisterous nature, you really have to throttle that because not everybody can be successful that acts like Kanye. So, it's yeah, it's it's definitely a balance. But you don't want to come off too timid. You have to. It's it's such a balance of balance. having genuine confidence. To where you could you could say a lot in in few words. I find what has helped for me starting up my career. I'm a little bit like obviously more recently doing this. What I found to be helpful is getting into the room and like actively observing. So you're you're very keen on what the people around you are saying to you, but also to each other. How are they acting in this space? And you absorb all of this, and gradually you adopt these kinds of behaviors, and you begin performing like they like they do. So that's, that's something that has helped me get to that. 100%. What is the greatest challenge that you currently face outside of COVID? Time. Not having enough time for all of the adventures that I'm on, for all of the regular business ventures that I'm pursuing. Um, as things grow, as you grow your team, as you grow your obligation to an audience, um, time disappears really, really fast. Uh, you know, when you can just focus on one thing, if you're just doing YouTube videos, it's all you have to focus on. If you're just doing music, it's all you have to focus. But now we have to be kind of a jack of all trades in so many different ways, uh, as well as I have like four or five different businesses right now that I'm trying to actively scale. Then if you build a team, like, like I have, it doesn't mean that your life gets easier. It means that you now have to shift your focus and delegate, be very, very good with communication because otherwise one task that you delegate to somebody on your team could take three times as long if you don't clearly communicate how they need to achieve that task that you, you sent them. Um, so that's been another uh, challenge for me. And I really think that over the years, my scatterbrained shiny object syndrome type of thing, like I want to do this. Okay, I got to kind of get bored. I want to do this, want to do this, want to do this is something that's kind of held me back. But when you pick a few things that you really need to focus on and you get organized, um, it's literally just the time because obviously you don't want to negate uh, the relationships that you've built, whether that be with friends, loved ones, my wife, my dogs even. Um, and then you want to do good and, and, and put back into the community. I recently formed a nonprofit organization for underprivileged children. Uh, and I haven't even had, had time to wrap my head around exactly what I'm going to be doing with that. But I know that it's important to me to give back and it's important to me to uh, be able to do something in a nonprofit type of way. Um, of making an impact and not just making a boatload of money because the money's cool, but it's not, everything. you really have to, yeah, it's not everything. That's awesome. I'm, I'm hearing a couple of different struggles with the time and like almost energy management is, is the solution in itself selectively choosing the projects that you're going to invest your energy towards 
but also delegation because you're almost buying back time, if you will. You're using someone else's time. How yeah, I mean, I think the, the I've, for the last few years, I've adopted this thing where it's the ultimate freedom is when you're able to say no to things without it affecting your livelihood financially, right? So the better you get at saying no to things, the better you're going to be off just in general. So I've been adopting that. And on top of that, I think it's the delegation, understanding that you need to be able to, in certain businesses that I'm running, you need to be able to clone yourself and be able to exist and stay profitable and stay scaling uh, in, a, in a positive way without you even being involved in a lot of ways. Um, like the, the music stuff, I need to be there. The YouTube stuff, I need to be there. The education stuff, slowly but surely, we're shifting to where I'm still very active, but I'm not as active as I was because I'm training guys on my team that care just as much as I do. Once they understand my voice, once they understand the system, the mission, well, a student could be just as benefited by them because they're kind of speaking me through them, if that makes sense. So um, there, there's certain aspects of being able to say no to things because it sounds fun, but you realize you're a little bit matured in the sense of it sounds fun, but that's completely a huge distraction yeah. from what I'm my, my core mission, because it sounds cool to open a motorcycle shop if you're really into motorcycles. But if you're also a commercial painter, you might not have the time to do both. And so in the music realm, I try to keep all of my businesses for the most part in the multimedia space. So that if I'm in front of a camera for this, I could be in front of a camera for for the education stuff. I could be in front of the camera for teaching uh, tutorials and stuff for my platform, thecharts.com. Um, doing, I guess, training would be another way That's for right, the yeah. capital equipment company that I have that I never talk about because nobody cares. They want music marketing. They don't care about laser engraving systems. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, laser technology. So it's a, it's a constant struggle of how much is enough when it comes to the ambition and the drive of what you're trying to do versus how much of an impact are you making? What are you really passionate about? Cause let's face it. What I was really passionate about at like 23 might not be what I'm super passionate about now in my mid thirties. So we evolve and we have to understand that we're, we need to evolve uh, the way we're doing things. Otherwise we just, you know, we're going to end up in Jinko jeans and, you know, Cheeto crumbs on our shirt in our mid fifties. And, Ain't nobody got time oh. for that. Ain't no, 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 no time for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, people are, are tend to be hesitant around change, but change is inevitable. And unless you welcome it, you're going to be fighting against that flow state. You, you don't want, you don't want that. It's not going to, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Never fight the, try not to fight the flow, man. I mean, it's, it's so important. Yes. Yes. Totally agreed. Beautiful. Adam, that was the basics. We made it nice. Ooh, made it nice. Feels we good. Made it through nicely. We did it. Yes. Our next round is the speed round. We're going super fast. I didn't know we're doing drugs on this show. I don't have any speed on it. Well, speed. we're ready. We brought everything you need. You're good to go. <laughs> it's like a dad joke. It's a horrible dad joke. I got a bunch of them. I'm surprised the grumpy sound I didn't say. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in this speed round, we've got 20 different questions that I'm going to be throwing at you in rapid succession. You have to answer right. them with one word, no justification. Ooh. Oh, shit. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Cool. <clears throat> Would you go to the moon? No. What part of Hawaii did you recently travel to? Oahu. Do you prefer to read or to watch movies? Ooh, watch movies. What is your favorite music genre? Modern country. You I got it in. 
I got it in. Take that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You grew up in a low-income family in a rural area in Wisconsin. Yes. Do you have any nicknames? Mm, I'm Ivy. No. At the end of the day, you want a nice big glass of? Shut the hell up. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> G-Eazy, Mod Sun, or Kevin Gates? G-Eazy. What's your favorite snack? What's I choose. Your, what's your favorite animal or plant? Uh, dogs. Your goal is to empower those looking to build a business around music without having a large marketing budget. Yes. If movie is to watch, then Netflix is too? Chill. Where's your favorite place in the world? Right here where I am. How often do you currently produce music? Uh, twice a week. Who is an artist that you currently find the most exciting? Ooh, 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 Celine Dion. Where is your next favorite, or where's your next vacation spot? <laughs> New Zealand. Do you ever get overwhelmed with all that you do? Every day. Small town or big city? Small town. What is your favorite time of day? Uh, 7 a.m. Do people still question your techniques? Every day. Every day. We made it through the speed round. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. You made it through nicely. It was like a couple of rough patches here and there, but we made it through. Did anyone... I overthink. I am a chronic overthinker and stuff like that. So every question, I'm like going into a catacomb of overthink. I'm like, uh, favorite artist. Well, what genre are we talking about? Celine are we talking Dion. about? Yeah. <laughs> one of my wife's favorite artists yeah we had another guest on the show she's like well you can't ask me that what generation what genre this and that it's like okay okay we're just gonna move on from here <laughs> that's awesome did any of the other questions stick out to you snack food i love eating um chico aka danny he's he's like one of my best friends he's on my team he's kind of my right hand man um he's been trying to convince me for probably five years to start an eating channel called Adam Eats, where I like taste test snack foods and like go head to head and stuff. Um, I am passionate about snack food. So when you said that, I'm like, are we talking sweet or savory? Are we talking fruity or chocolate? What are we talking about here? So like, I, I've been addicted to high chews lately. When I was in Hawaii, they're like this little rubbery, it's like a, it's like a Laffy Taffy on steroids. So these high chews, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar. This video is not sponsored by high chew, but high chew, if you're watching, email me, get your people, get a hold we of my you. people. <laughs> I, I, my wife and I bought every flavor and I was like eating them like a crack addict. I'm like, Oh, I need another one. There's banana. There's acai. There's grape, sour apple, sour watermelon. There's also pineapple. It's uh, pineapple is like a nine out of 10 uh, banana. I think I might've already mentioned that there's mango. I don't like anything mango. Um, so we're going to Hawaii, actually. Like, pretty we much. Snacks. Yeah, we need to. Uh, group trip to Hawaii. <laughs> I'm curious because he said nine out of nine out of ten. Is there anything that's ten out of ten? <sighs> no, I don't think that. I don't think a ten out of ten Not high yet. chew exists. That's good. That's good. Because then we not yet. Not yet. Into addiction. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're awesome. right. I'm over here, like yeah. cracking them behind the table. <laughs> I gotta go, guys. <laughs> a little, a little bit of time on GEZ Mod Sun Kevin Gates. Any memorable stories working with them? Um, no, because I I never worked with them face to face. I broke down the the GEZ 
thing um, over my YouTube channel. I was working with Mod Sun very uh, frequently back in the day um, to the point where we were text messaging back and, back and forth. I was sending him loads of beats. Um, and I think we did three records together. Uh, the G easy thing happened when he was going through beats in the studio with mod son in the studio, they were doing a feature on a different track. Um, and mod son was playing the beats that I had sent them. Geez. He's like, yo, 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 what's that one? I want that one. And that's pretty much how it happens. Uh, you can have a placement with Drake or Nicki Minaj or Michael Bolton or whoever, like, and never see them face to face. In fact, a lot of times they might not even really know who you are and that's the nature of the business. So, um, whether it be Kevin Gates, Mod Sun, or, I mean, he, a lot of other, a lot of other artists, like you're not in the studio with them. I'm very introverted. That's why I love music production. Cause you can just send it off and you don't have to be in a studio at 3am somewhere random. Um, even though that's fun sometimes, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's how it went down. That's awesome. Beautiful. Cool. I was just a little bit curious about that. That yeah. is the speed round. Oh, I was waiting oh, for good. another jingle. Um, what? But I already <laughs> gonna, gave you one, man. I'm just gonna he was a suit. You got you guys. You guys are so connected that he was like, "Oh, here's here's a, it's gonna be a, a, a banger fucking sound yeah, effect like, right now." Giving me cues oh. that we haven't prepared or anything. Can't work like this. We can't work like this anymore. <laughs> He's had enough. Adam, he might be looking for a new job. I will not refer him to you. All right. All right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll take his job. I can press a button. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, All righty. Our next segment is called What's Yo Take? <clears throat> Here, Adam, I'm going to present you with different statements or scenarios, and I ultimately just want your perspective. Cool? Okay. Okay. What's your take on using meditation or visualization? Oh, it's, uh, I mean, I almost turned into an old New Yorker woman. Oh, let me tell you. Um, I, th I think that it's, it's unbelievably powerful. You know, uh, I do it every day when it comes to different types of meditation. Uh, and, and people don't realize that even just sitting in silence, kind of just that really is, is all it really involves is just calming down, kind of calming your thoughts. And then visualization is one of the biggest things that I've done in my life to get me to where I am now. It's like, you have to be able to see where you're going, taste uh, you know, the different, the different, uh, things that you're going for. And I don't mean that in a literal way, but what does your house look like? What does your car look like? What do the people's faces look like that you're going to be helping or impacting? What does it look like being up on stage or in a studio? Like you have to be able to, you have to really be able to narrow it down and use your imagination to the max to be able to picture the wood grain on the railing of the private jet that you're coming out of the, the smell of the leather in the supercar that you want to buy. Some people don't give a shit about cars. Cool. I love cars. I did this stuff. So, um, even in visual, in, in visualizing, I'm making up words, envisioning what your family looks like, what your dream spouse looks like, not visually per se, but, um, and I mean, I guess that would tie into it, but really like what that relationship dynamic, the dichotomy of that would look like and how you feel within it and then work, work towards that. I mean, it might not line up perfectly, but I'll tell you somebody that imagines their life better than what it is now is going to go a whole lot further than somebody that feels as if the world is against them and that life is happening to them and not for them. I fully agree. I've applied visualization to myself probably starting three years ago, and I've got a couple of different techniques that I apply, but I'm curious to know, is there anything specifically that you do 
that helped you even start doing this? Because people oftentimes, when I at least talk to them about visualization, they're like, why are you that? Why are you just thinking about things and things don't just become it's like, yes, it's not just hocus pocus. There's more to it. What techniques do you use to like do it? I think that I use a, a lot of people as reference to kind of watch documentaries, to watch other people's content as far as not even in my space. I'm talking about people that have done it. They might be two decades older than me and kind of hear about where they've come from, not only for inspiration, but almost as like, you know, uh, what do they call that success modeling, right? Seeing, okay, well, he had adversities or this person had adversities. How did they get through that? What did that look like for them? If they can do it, I can do it. That sort of thing. Um, you know, back in the day, I'd go to a ton of car shows. I've owned a lot of cars and that's why I reference that I, I love cars. I was a mechanic kind of, um, before I ever got into music. Cause my dad was a mechanic in the military. My grandfather was a mechanic in the military. Um, so I was always around cars. And so now at 36 years old, I've owned, I think 84 cars and worked my way up and, um, love the culture of it really just like the music industry. I love the culture of it for the most part. Some of it's a toilet, but that's a whole different conversation. It's whatever happiness looks like to you. Like follow that. Doesn't have to be a big house. It could be living in a tiny house. Like whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is. Uh, Get to a point where you're, you're able to be prosperous without hurting anybody um, and doing what you love to do or you're interested in. I think that's success. That's the key. That's the key there. And just before we move on to that, I just wanted to say that an easy way to collect all of your thoughts and the ideas that you want to have in your life, whether it's a nice house or just a nice family or both, you can put that on a vision board and that'll help you visualize long-term. Yes. Vision boards are very cool. Look that up on Google. We don't need to talk about that anymore. (laughs) What's your take on this, Adam? Most artists have what it take. Whoa. I can't even read properly. Most artists have what it takes to live off of their arts if they market it properly. Um, that's a loaded question, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, 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 here's, here's the thing. Most people have what it takes to make a sustainable income with their art. No question about it. If they know how to do marketing, if they know how to build a business around it, however, knowing how to do it and actually working your face off to make it happen and not expecting a switch to be flipped to magically you've made it and you could stop working hard. That's what the majority of people are going for. They have good music, great music sometimes, but no work ethic when it comes to the actual marketing because marketing looks like work, even though marketing is a creative venture to paint a picture to an audience of strangers about you, but they don't see it that way. They look at it like a desk job because they can't sit behind a keyboard with a MIDI controller or a flute or a guitar and record a bunch of stuff and then put it out and people love that. We have normalized this idea of instant gratification because I, you, we literally right now could stop this uh, conversation, all pick up an instrument, write a song and have something released by the weekend, which cheapens up the process tremendously. Yet somebody thinks that that needs attention. Somebody thinks that that is, you know, everybody has to stop what they're doing to pay attention to them without actually giving them a reason why. So marketing is the why, the music is the product, we are the brand, not trying to go into a teaching moment here, but I think that there's a ton of great music that can be profitable. Very few people in the grand scheme of things are going to see it through. That's why there's 
millions of people in this world that play football, millions of people in this world that play baseball, millions of people that play soccer, and very few that do it as an actual career because it takes a whole lot of uh, it takes a whole lot of backbone, grit, and determination to actually see things through, even when you start making money. That's the, that's pretty much the starting line. Yeah, yeah. You you start making money and you've entered the race. Then, <laughs> I yes, mean, it's it's a whole different world there. Um, do, so you you mentioned that work ethic is one main place where people will struggle, and it's it's more so the mentality behind it because like. Yes, you can physically get up and say, go for a run if you want to be like a professional athlete. But are you going to do it every single day? Are you going to do it whether it's snowing, raining at six at six thirty in the morning? Right. It's that mentality. So that's where you get the work ethic. Is there somewhere else, another element in this path where you see artists falling through the cracks in this pursuit? Yeah, I think, you know, I could talk about this for two hours easily. Like it's doing something, changing pace, stepping forward in the hope of advancement of what you're doing, and then not giving it enough time to bake. You throw all these things into a pan. You know that it's going to make bread. You don't give it time to rise. You bake it too fast. So it's doughy in the middle. Then you're disappointed saying, oh, that doesn't work. I can't make bread with that recipe. That's what people do. You give them the tools I mean, literally, I mean, I think a lot of people would understand what I mean by this, this, this reference. There could be a book out there that's 650 pages, how to make a million dollars in 18 months. Everybody could be sent it to their house for free, right? Vast majority of people would only get to like chapter two because it didn't happen fast enough. They know the 18 months is out there, but all of a sudden they don't want to wait for the 18 months. They would rather do a little spurt, a little spurt, little spurt, little spurt their entire lives rather than crawling through the shit for years to actually find themselves in a very, very good position because not a lot of one, not a lot of people want to do that. We have this mindset of like, well, if I go to school to become an engineer, do that four years, and then I will have a career that just kind of, it's just like school, get the job, have a career. That's not how it is with creative arts. Cultivate skill, market yourself, build an audience, build demand, and then you can actually work your way into it. It's it's you level up. You're with a better group of people. You're networking your way up into new opportunities. Too many people prioritize security over going for it. Absolutely. You referred school and no, no, you're good. You referred school and how they don't necessarily teach entrepreneurial pursuits. Let's just say that. Do you think, though, that work ethic can be taught? Is it, or is it just innate? Um, I, I think work ethic can be infused, but people have to understand their why. So many people want to be a producer because it looks cool. They saw some YouTube videos or some Instagram or TikToks that they're like, oh, it's so cool. I want to do that. Why? Mm. Do you actually enjoy making the music? Do you want people to love and adore you and like you and, you know, comment and all this, this good stuff that a lot of us, a lot of, a a lot of us fall into when it comes to the chase of it. Um, Same goes for, for any creative venture. Like I said, I think that work ethic comes from wanting something without a shadow of a doubt. It's not an option. This has to work. I need to make, make progress in this. Even if I never make a career out of it, how far can I take this? Because, you know, I know it sounds kind of corny, but we live one time, man. 
I mean, depending on what you believe in, we live one time, even if you believe in reincarnation, it's not going to be this version of you, right? So we have one shot at it. Time goes by very quickly overall. And, and there you are. Yeah. What do you do with it? Yeah. And so you can go work a nine to five. And, and honestly, man, I am not the guy that is ever going to say like, you're going to waste your life away at a nine to five. There's a lot of people. I have friends, close friends that love their nine to five. If so you're happy, you're happy. Like you said earlier, if you're happy, yeah. you're happy. Like we need tradesmen. We need doctors. We need engineers. We need all of these things. Not everybody is going to be a cool hip hop producer or a, a multimillionaire YouTuber or a watch blogger review. Like we're outliers, man. Yeah. We're like, we're, we're, we're no different than the guy that's shoveling concrete for a living, making 18, 19 bucks an hour, trying to provide for his family. Um, okay. So last note on this before we move on. All right. What would you say is a common trait amongst those people with superb work ethic other than their work ethic? Enthusiasm, man. Enthusiasm, um, charisma to a certain extent, but if enthusiasm in my opinion, is so underrated. Have you ever just been around somebody with crazy enthusiasm? And they could be crazy. They could be not really know what they're talking about, but something about it is infectious. Now, have you ever been around somebody with no enthusiasm and has great ideas, but it's so boring that you're like, I get what you're saying, but you are not presenting this in a way to get me excited about it. That right there in the creative space is really what separates a whole lot of people. It's not the make or break, but it's if you have enthusiasm about what you're doing, are you excited about what you're doing? Are you a fan of your own work versus not feeling good enough, not feeling like it'll ever really work? You're just kind of kicking the pile around to see if maybe something comes from it. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm gets you hired at day jobs. There's a whole lot of people that go through the interview process. There'll be a person that's less talented, more enthusiasm. The, the hiring manager, the GM, the whoever is going to bring that person on because they're like, this person is good for our corporation. They're good for our culture versus the person that might have some like book smarts or maybe a little bit more experience, but they're boring, maybe even pessimistic or have just a bad vibe. So enthusiasm. Very important. Goes such a long way. Goes such a long way. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Last question before we jump to the next segment. You so keep we'll just right. last question, but then you always ask more questions. Oh my goodness! Oh my gracious! The last question was the last question. That was the last sub question. It was, it was. It was the last question. Z. Need to get it together, <laughs> man. Yeah. So okay. So we're gonna spend no more than two minutes on this because I know you talk about it a lot on your channel. But what is your take on paid social media ads versus organic growth? Paid marketing is fantastic once you have the organic growth started, once you understand who your audience is, what the narrative is, what your value proposition is, uh, what your unique selling mechanism is, your USM, a bunch of acronyms. Um, once you understand how to grow organically, then you can actually go buy some fertilizer and grow your garden faster. But until you understand how to water, how to plant, how to seed, how to all that stuff, how to weed, you're just throwing money up against the wall and literally wasting money. I have never become a raving fan of anyone musically because I saw a freaking Facebook ad for their new Spotify release. That's nope. Doesn't, doesn't happen. That's what happens is you're aware of someone. 
That's why retargeting ads are so important because you know that they're already aware of you. That way you can build brand awareness. You can make sure that they're alerted of something that you know that social media probably won't get in front of them. You want them to make sure that they know. Um, but overall, trying to build a, fan, a real fan base off of cold traffic, the, the labels try to do it. And you see a one hit wonder and then they disappear. And then they're like, whatever happened to uh, Rich Boy? Whatever happened to Tail Cruz? Oh, who? Oh, the dynamite guy. Oh, I don't know if I've heard that song. Yeah, no, right. Yeah, I get, I get it. I get it. Yeah. That means you have sound. to. And, and some of my, like, I have some artists, I'm not going to name names because it's kind of rude, but I have some artists that I really respect on YouTube. And I've watched, like, the, the labels have tried to pull them into the mix. And they're so freaking boring to be interviewed. I'm like, I think I've lost respect for, I love your music. I hunted down an interview because I wanted to know more about you. And now I don't want to know anything about you because you're really freaking boring. Yeah. So, and I guess that stems back to the enthusiasm uh, conversation we had. But I, I think that organic is all about knowing what you have to offer, knowing who your audience is, knowing why they should care, and then making some content and stuff around that to, to get to pull them in. Yeah. Yeah. You got to hook them. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Spend your money wisely. <clears throat> That was our last question, Grumpy Sound Guy, in case you were wondering. jokes. Our next segment is called Community Queries. No sound effect here. That's totally cool. He's got me all over, all I'm over here. I'm on strike. <laughs> He's on strike. Okay, so Adam, Community Queries is... I've got three. I know, I know. He's all over the place with this. He's probably watching a movie. Um, we've got I love three it. fans. They've sent in questions ahead of time, and I'm just going to read, or they're going to share their questions with you. Okay, let's do it. All right. So the first question is from G Tech. He's a music, music artist out of Brampton, Ontario. What's going on is G Tech. My question is, how would music artists go about submitting their music to different Spotify playlists? When it comes to, when it comes to submitting your music to, to uh, Spotify curated playlists versus algorithmic playlists versus user-generated playlists. There's a lot of different ways that you can go about this. Obviously, you can use a website like um, SubmitHub or uh, Daily Playlists. But when it comes to the like algorithmic playlists, that's all about, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say like, oh, pre-saves don't matter. Pre-saves, especially if you use a, a like a hyper-follow link, right? there's a whole lot of different people that'll offer a pre-save link. So if you're offering pre-saves. Let's say you get 200 people to pre-save you. Well, usually through those links, they also follow you on Spotify, which helps when it comes to the algorithmic playlists, when it comes to like Discover Weekly Release Radar. When it comes to the actual Spotify curated playlists, one of the biggest mistakes I see is people getting ready to release a song like tomorrow, right? It's a Friday. Uh, and then they'll they'll go and they'll start sending out the uh, submission emails, even through Spotify for artists, they have a whole section on there on how to do it. They're sending out submissions the day that the song is released. When in reality, those curators need a lot of time to go through, especially with how many artists are submitting new music every single day. So what I go through with all of my students is typically you take four to six weeks before the release goes live. Then you hunt down all the different, uh, playlists from, uh, users, right? Not the curators, but users, which a lot of times you can go into the about, 
um, for those and, and find their contact information. There will be paid. There will be some that just do it out of the, the goodness of their heart, I suppose. But when it comes to the actual curated playlist through Spotify, Spotify for artists breaks down the entire process of how to do that. Yeah. Um, now there are a lot of big playlists and maybe you're referring to that as well. That aren't necessarily, they're not, they're user playlists, but they're, they're run by more corporate entities, businesses that are running playlists as a business. And usually their, their websites will have submission links. Um, their contact information and curators will be on social media. I always recommend trying to hunt those down, going on their website, seeing who's the curators, and then being able to start conversations. And this is why you need the time. Four to six weeks, typically minimum. Beautifully said. Thank you, GTech. You can find him on Instagram at official GTech. Our next question is Justin Mackey. He is a pop and easy listening artist in London, Ontario. Hey Adam, my name is Justin Mackey. I'm a pop slash easy listening artist out of London, Ontario, Canada. My question is in regards to Clubhouse. How would you recommend that artists utilize Clubhouse to move their career forward? There are some good creators on Clubhouse, but I personally became very kind of disenchanted with the fact the majority of creators on Clubhouse are just like gurus talking to other gurus and these big groups of like how to be successful being successful how to be successful talking to other success coaches about being successful and it just becomes a lot of noise um artists utilizing clubhouse i'm trying to kind of wrap my head around that still because i really do think that there's a pretty good chance that clubhouse will kind of become an obscure app that everybody talks about. Remember that one summer when people would like invite you to clubhouse, like, is that still a thing? I think that that might actually become the thing. So Justin, I would say I would lean into the platforms that are going to give you more growth potential, such as a TikTok, for example, uh, and really build a, a, an audience that's highly engaged rather than trying to convince people to sit around and have you talk on clubhouse when the actual user group like this big compared to just having a podcast or something. I think, it, I think it's a worth the time for a lot of people. Nicely said. Okay. Thank you. Hopefully, Justin. hopefully you guys are. Yeah. Hopefully you guys aren't like stockholders and clubhouse. If that's the case, <laughs> make sure to use my discount code. It's going to blow up. Oh, that's hilarious. That was Justin Mackey. That was Adam's response to Justin's question. You can find him on Instagram at Justin Mackey music. That's M A K I. He says this, it's like the sushi roll. <laughs> Our final question is from Eli the Prophet. He is a rapper, CEO, and model in London, Ontario. This is his question. Hey, Adam, it's Eli the Prophet. I was wondering how important you feel securing various licenses on your music is for an emerging artist in generating initial revenue, and what are some good places to start? Well, Eli... You know, I think it's unfortunate that I can only hear you because you, you're a model. So everybody listening to this, not only is he a CEO, you need, to, you need to visually see him. So Eli the prophet, my first question is profit financially or like profit biblically. So it's already creating an enigma a little bit that I'm like interested. So I'm gonna go check his stuff out after oh, we get off the call here. Um, but Eli, 
licensing is like a cheat code for a whole lot of people. There's a whole lot of different types of licenses. So definitely look into that. But as an emerging artist, I would work on your catalog. I would work on building uh, repetition within your release structure because so many people will have one song, one signal, one, two signals, signals, singles. Can't talk today for some reason. Um, and then they just focus on pushing that for like the next 12 months. Meanwhile, they're not building anything in the background for a follow-up. If something were to go viral, if something were to pop, they have nothing to follow up with it. Right. So, and and then on the other side of that coin, all too often, somebody has a song. They're like, this has so much potential. I'm going to go, I'm going to try to get it sync. I'm going to try to get sync licensing deals with it. Try to get it placed somewhere, maybe a Netflix series or a commercial. And then they push and push and push. Meanwhile, they're looking for this opportunity and they should really be making more to keep pushing. So, um, I would say this, if you're trying to just get into sync, then make a whole lot of exclusive tracks that you're not sharing on Spotify, for example, that you can then, you know, uh, you know, work into series, work into sitcoms or, you know, web shows or whatever through music managers and whatnot. Um, because a lot of those, they're not going to want them to be everywhere online already. They just want that. They just want those works for that specific project. So split it up if you really want to you know pursue that and side note when it comes to the sync michael elsner one of my mentors somebody that's incredibly uh knowledgeable when it comes to sync licensing i look to him for a lot of answers when it when it comes to coming up with my own um sync opportunities in my career definitely got to shout him out michael elsner shout out to michael he's a great human being um he has videos and resources that'll help you get get those type of placements. I will definitely be checking that. I'll also add his his contact or his info in the show notes too so that people awesome. can follow up there. That was Eli the Prophet. You can find him on Instagram at Prophet of Rap. Moving on to Clear the Air. I think this is common. Do you think this is common? <laughs> Did you guys catch that turn? <laughs> oh, are you talking to me? <laughs> Yeah, like quick zoom. <laughs> Gold. So this segment is called Clear the Air, and I'm going to ask you to bring clarity to slightly denser questions. All right. This is a little bit of an interesting startup, and I think a lot of younger people <laughs> would appreciate this. Your story started off in the music industry by turning an $800 investment into eventually a six-figure income. I want to know what kinds of sacrifices you had to make at that point in time in order to get yourself on this path. Yeah, man. So in 2009, I lost the job, uh, blatantly fired um, for insubordination uh, based off of a new manager coming in. Um, I screwed up not to tell the whole story, but I screwed up because I was in line for his job. I was bitter. So when he came in, I called him on all of his mistakes. I was that guy. Um, And obviously he didn't like that, especially because everybody in the organization was like, Oh, I thought Adam was getting that job. Oh, you got that job. I thought Adam was getting that job. So that didn't help. Um, and so we kind of came to blows and he, he blatantly fired me for some BS. That wasn't true. Doesn't matter now. I'm glad he did now. But at that time I didn't get any unemployment benefits. I only had about $1,200 to my name, I believe. Um, this is a long time ago. So, you know, with that $800, I, started putting it into marketing. I started putting it into having a sound click 
uh, template made for, for my beats and then spending some of it on some paid marketing on SoundClick and a couple other places. Um, and quite honestly, man, it was a very difficult time in my life. Uh, I was almost evicted, almost had my car repossessed. I was living off of ramen, eggs, and tuna. As I've told before on my YouTube channel, um, pretty much every meal for 10 months. Um, it sucked. It really sucked. But uh, I knew I didn't want to just go find another day job because that was a job that I thought I was growing in the company. This is before I was doing music full time. So I had a side hustle, um, doing graphic design for about six different nightclubs here in Orlando, Florida. That saved me big time because once I lost my job, I had more time. So I went through all the different contacts that I had. I said, Hey, Brian, I know I do your, you do your flyers for Friday and Saturday nights. Do you have anybody else that you know of that needs flyers? Or do you have another night that I could throw in as a bundle? Um, and that kind of kept the lights on for a long time as I was building the music thing. So um, $800 was the total investment when it came to the first two or three months. Um, really, really deep diving into, I don't really have any money. I have no money coming in aside from the, like I said, the, the absolute essentials to, to keep me housed. Um, and I just, I went for it, man. Like I said, 14, maybe 18 hour days. Really, I say 18 hour days, but this is how it went. I'd wake up and I would work my fucking face off until I couldn't stay awake anymore. And then I'd go to sleep. I'd wake up and just do it again. I didn't know what day it was. I'd walk to the gym across the way. Um, in 2008, I was studying to be a personal trainer. I had a very brief stint with Gold's Gym, uh, knew the man. They knew the financial situation I was in. So they kind of gave me some like weird senior discount on my gym membership. I think it was like 10 or 15 bucks a month instead of 40. So I'd walk across the road. I'd work out every day to kind of try to keep my shit together. Um, and I'd come home and just crank out as many beats as I could, uh, email as many people as I could, as DMing and messaging. And, uh, and all of a sudden it started working. So, you know, it's crazy what'll happen, you know, when you, when you dedicate a few hundred days or a few thousand days to something. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, from 2009 to 2010, I made about $34,000 in all of my creative ventures, including that graphic design job. But then between 2010 and 2011, a year to date thing, not a January to January, I made $111,728. And I always say that because Zach, who's on my team now, I said, I made $112,000. He's like, no, you didn't. I just saw it. It's 111720 I'm like, okay, you caught, you caught, you caught me. So, All of a sudden, one day after those thousands of hours that you put in, you got lucky. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's what happened. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> how it happened, man. Yeah. That's awesome. And then today I checked, you've got 12.9 million views on YouTube or 12.87 if in case Zach is checking. And then 236,000 <laughs> followers. This is super wild. This started 10 years ago, so that's that's the sacrifices are well worth it. Um and then this led to Cell Music Academy. So can you tell us a little bit around what this is? In the beginning, it was kind of bitter slash. I was really, really sick of false information being spread around. So I was like, I'm just going to share all this stuff on YouTube. That's how the idea started. Um, and then I had a lot of people that were messaging me, thanking me for my, my time and effort on those videos. And then a lot of people asking, hey, can I work with you directly? Hey, do you have a course? Hey, this, hey, that. Um, and so I'd spent about 18 months, pretty, pretty much two years building a curriculum um, for an actual course, a program 
that I beta tested with a lot of my successful producer friends and a few artist friends um, to see if it would work for them. It did. And the feedback that I got helped me refine it. And then in 2018, I finally launched that course, which shortly after I had people asking, well, hold on. So shortly after I had people asking if they could work with me one-on-one, which is when I officially launched a mentorship program. But before that, how it all started with the mentorship thing is I was helping my friends, as I just mentioned. And then I would have friends of friends start reaching out to me. Hey, I heard you help this guy. Hey, I heard you help that guy. He sent me to you. Like, and then they would send me a dissertation about their entire life story and about 15 different questions that would need. I'd run out of ink and email in order to answer these questions for them correctly. So one day frustrated, I said, Hey man, if you need help on all this stuff, uh, you would have to join my mentorship program. It's 12 or it's 10 weeks for five grand. Um, and he came back to me and he's like, Hey, what's your PayPal account? I'll pay you right now. And I was like, Oh shit. Like there's people out there that really actually need the help and would respect my time and appreciate my expertise. And that's how kind of the whole education side of things came into play, trying to help people go further, faster in their music career, um, you know, by sharing proven marketing techniques and strategies that I imported from over 10 years corporate marketing experience into the music realm that not only helped me, but has now helped well over a thousand students. So that's how the Cell Music Academy started. That's what we're doing right here. So I appreciate it. And and I haven't yet started the Music Master Course, but I did download several of the documents in anticipation. And I'm, I'm quite confident in saying that once season four does wrap up here, I will be I will be spending a lot more time doing that. But I want to touch a little bit on what you have kind of in plans for next. So there's there's never these are words that you said. There's never not enough room for growth. And you aim to establish yourself as a great authority, a greater authority within this space. I'd like you to speak on what you're trying to accomplish here. Using the education business with the platform that I that I also have been developing called thecharts.com. It's a way for music producers and beat makers to simplify their beat commerce in a way that's marketing forward to help them brand themselves and get more attention faster with less effort than ever before. Um, and, and utilize all of these things to really move the community forward. I could see having large public events in the, in the future, um, conferences of sorts. Uh, and my team and I have actually been slowly figuring out the logistics to do a domestic tour here later this year of about 20 different cities, um, buying a sprinter van and, and traveling around doing uh, doing studio pop-ins where we have one day events um, and then possibly like a VIP experience the day after uh, for people that want a little bit more of a deep dive. And so really take the education thing to the next level. Um, my ultimate goal is to have all of the education stuff accredited so that it's not just this internet guru guy, as people call me, uh, you know, on the YouTube stuff, but actually have a a foundation um, to stand on for people that want, you know, the the gold standard of education within the music marketing space, business, all that other stuff. So it's a whole lot that we're biting off, but I think that uh, it's more of a two to five year plan. It's, this is not an immediate thing. And I thrive off that, man. If, if, if I could have a thriving company with, let's say, 150, 200 staff members to build an awesome culture around and bring people in and help them every single day. Uh, that would be something that I feel very excited about a bed for. 
That sounds huge. That sounds huge. Uh, where I'm honored to have you here sharing that with us. And I also do want to say that you might be talking two, two to five years out into the future, but it's the decisions that we make today that affect our lives two to five years down the road. So the fact that we're talking about this now makes it very real for then, which is That's sweet. That's it. Uh, the charts, I'm very much looking forward to that because that is almost going to revolutionize the, the whole beat distribution purchasing system. So I'm, I'm very keen on learning a little bit more about that as that unfolds too. Curious to know, finally, do you have any final words? You know, one thing I say all the time, which is kind of old hat now is use what you have until what you have pays for what you want. I am a true testament of that. You can be a true testament of that as well utilize the resources that are available to you for free. And then when you hit a plateau, you're going to be a whole lot further then than you are right now. And that's the time where you invest in better gear, you invest in a mentor, you invest in the knowledge and the actual proven step-by-step, but you don't have to jump into that day one. You need to confirm with yourself that this is what you want to do before you're jumping in full steam ahead. So make sure that you surround yourself with people that understand that you're going places. They don't have to understand where you're going. They don't have to understand how you're going to make it, but they understand that that's who you are. That's what you do. And, and just kind of blind trust. All right, Adam, where can our listeners find you? If you go to musicmarketing.com, you'll find me. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Adam Ivey. Adam Ivy on Instagram. I'd love for you to connect with me over there. Um, thecharts.com. You won't see my face anywhere really, but uh, we're running that in the background for our members. Um, I'd love to have you guys join over there. You could join for free. Just get a get a get a taste for what it is, and then uh, yeah, start growing your brand, growing your business. Um, what else? Yeah, really, guys. I don't have anything to sell you. Just go to adamivy.com if you want to see my website. Um, Adam Ivy, A D A M I V Y. Just Google me. Just Do they Google. still say that? They said that Google. a lot. Yes. In like the early 2000s. Google me. Remember people had t shirts? It's what it is. It's what it is. Google me. Okay. It's still a thing. <laughs> That's awesome, Adi. Adam. Thank you Sheesh. so much for your time. Sheesh. We oh, out. God. Is that how the kids are do. doing? I don't even know what they do. Cold. <laughs> Cold. <That's laughs> oh, God. Respectfully. <laughs> and that shit's bussing. Let's go produce. This episode is brought to you by thecharts.com. If you're a producer or beat maker looking to build your beat commerce business in less time, thecharts.com can help. Remember that you can sign up for free and start selling your beats and instrumentals today at thecharts.com. Big shout out to all parties involved. You can find more value at our website at goproduce.ca. Connect with me on Instagram at go.produce. If you're on YouTube, hit subscribe. If you're on Apple or Spotify, make sure to hit download. This will really help us grow our community. I'm Big Lou, and this is Go Produce.